Chapter Twenty Two of The Way of the Wind by Zoe Anderson Norris. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Roger Moline. Chapter Twenty Two. For some months after Celia's return to her native town, her friends gathered gladly about her. A little visit. That was natural enough. They welcomed her with open arms. As the visit lengthened, questions ensued. The child, what of him? Was he not very young to leave for such a length of time? Was not that a strange mother who could thus separate herself from a babe in arms, who could deprive him of the warmth and comfort of her embrace? And Seth, what of him? For Seth had many friends among them who knew his great heart and his worth. How is it possible for her to remain apart from her husband and child so long? Contented in the soft and balmy clime, in the land of her birth, she told them of the terror of the winds, of the sun-baked prairie, of the plague of the grasshoppers, of the hot winds that blistered, of the scorch of the simoons, of the withering blasts of summer and the freezing storms of winter and thought that sufficient explanation until she beheld herself reflected in the coldness of their glances as in a mirror, set aloof outside their lives as a thing abnormal, as a worthless instrument whose leading string is somehow out of tune, which has snapped with a discordant twang. However, this did not greatly distress her. She turned to her mother for companionship, the mother filled what small need she had of love until she died. She was soon followed, this mother of hers, into the land of shadows by the loving shadow of herself, Celia's black mammy. Then Celia was left alone in the old house, which, for lack of funds, was fast falling into ruin, the wrinkled shingles of the roof letting in the rain in dismal drops to flood the cellar and the kitchen, the grass growing desolately up between the bricks of the pavement that led from door to gate for lack of the tread of neighborly feet. Life, which is never the same, which is ever changing, changes by degrees. Not all at once did Celia's soul shrivel, but gradually. Now and again in the early days following upon her return to her home, at the cry of a child in the street, she would start to her feet then remember and shrug her shoulders and forget. And there were some nights that were filled for her with the remembered moan of the prairie winds. She heard them shriek and howl and whistle with all their old-time force and terror. She sprang wildly out of bed and ran to the window to look out on the slumbrous quiet of the southern night, to clasp her hand and thank her good fortune that she looked not out on the wide, weird waste of the trackless prairie. Gradually, too, she descended to poverty, and that without complaint. To poverty, dire as that from which she had fled, except that it was unaccompanied by the horror of simoon and blizzard, of hot winds and cold. For her this sufficed. Too proud to ask for help of those who passed her by in coldness, as a soulless creature of a nature impossible to understand, 
and therefore to be shunned, she toiled and delved alone, a recluse and outcast in the home of her birth. She delved in the patch of a garden for the wherewithal to keep the poor roof over her head. She hoed and dug and drove hard bargains with the grocers to whom she sold her meager products. She washed and ironed and mended and darned and cooked, coming at length perforce to the drudgery which throughout her brief life in the hole in the ground she had scornfully disdained. Not once did the thought of asking help of Seth, or of returning to him, present itself. And yet there were tardy times when the memory of the winds remained with her, day in and day out, when at twilight she sat on the steps of her vine-covered, crumbling portico and communed with herself, when, placing herself apart, she reviewed her life and observed herself with the critical eye of an uninterested outsider. Invariably, then she would say to herself, remembering the wail and shriek and moan of the hideous winds, I would leave them again, the winds and the child and him. If it happened a second time, and I again had the choice, I would leave them exactly the same. Then aloud, in apology for what had the look to her own biased eyes of utter heartlessness, it was the fault of the winds, she would mutter. It was the fault of the winds. End of chapter 22 Recording by Roger Moline